Hi and welcome to Authorised. My name's Kevin Hillier. This is the podcast where writers speak and writers have a lot to say both uh, in the written form and in the spoken form and you'll hear from a very good one today and one that you've probably been reading and uh, enjoying for a number of years now in her role as a columnist for the News Limited organisation. More on that in just a tick but a reminder about our terrific partners on this podcast uh, are CSCG, CSCG cscg.com.au. When you go to that website you'll discover a, a, a group of people who care about what happens with your money and uh, care about your financial structure and are very well equipped to talk to you about it and to help you with it, no matter what it is you want to talk about, whether it is superannuation, whether it is uh, lending, borrowing, whether it's taxation. uh, They have people, in uh, experts in the field who can help you out. So by all means, give them a call. They love having a chat. The number is Melbourne, that's 03. It's 9974 And as I mentioned, go to the website and you'll find out all about it and actually see the people you're dealing with. And that's cscg.com.au. You know this lady's name very well. You probably know her face as well too. Uh, many, many television appearances. Uh, but uh, a long-time columnist for the News Limited organisation and the Herald Sun in Melbourne in particular, I'm talking about Susie O'Brien who's written a terrific book called The Secret of half Asked Parenting. Finally, uh, the secret's no secret anymore. Susie shares some terrific thoughts uh, with us about this particular book, which is a very good read, a very entertaining read. But underneath all that, there's a hell of a lot of uh, good things to think about uh, in form in the form of how we go about our parenting. So let's get to it and talk to Susie O'Brien about her book, The Secret of Half-Assed Parenting. Let me first just say congratulations on the book. It is a very entertaining and informative read. Thank you so much. Only three children and 12 years in the making. <laughs> I've got two stepkids, although stories about them haven't actually made it into the book. It didn't really seem fair. But certainly, yeah, I've mined my uh, 17 years of parenting for so all the good stories. Yeah, and, and, and terrific stories too. And ones <laughs> that uh, I think any parent will relate to, though probably throwing up in the hire car of your friend and ha- them having to endure that for three days is not one that I've been through, thankfully. <laughs> Well, it, I think I would say that was a section on um, Mother's Day and I was saying, you know, this whole idea that mothering is eternal and it's, you know, full of joy. Yeah. I'm saying, you know, it's, it's not bad most of the time until your son throws up in your friend's hire car and then she has to um, drive it for the next three days. Oh. And the only thing eternal about that scenario was the smell. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> hey, who knew that half-assed parenting was, uh, was so, uh, had so many layers to it? Yeah, you know, I think for a while we've had, you know, the the real mums and we've had the bad mums and the shitty mums. But I wanted to try and encourage people to think about the way they're parenting, not with me telling them what to do. God knows I make enough mistakes. I'm (laughs) in no position to tell anyone anything. But, you know, what what we're finding is that people aren't raising their kids the way that they want to raise them. And so I started thinking about what's stopping us. Why are we so sucked into this helicopter cotton wool parenting because we sort of think that it's better for the kids because they're safe and inside and supervised every minute of the day. And I just felt that we needed to take it down a notch and look at half-assed parenting. I mean, when parents are busy, you know, we're busy working and we put our hands up to volunteer at the kinder and the football club and everything else and we cut back on our own social lives, Time in the bubble bath, you know, time on the couch. Yeah. But what we don't do is cut back on parenting. 
because it's this idea that if you do less parenting, somehow you're neglectful. Um, so what I'm saying is that we need to get back to a time when you could take your kids to the park and leave them there and have them walk home where you didn't feel the need to do their homework for them because they weren't <laughs> going to do it well enough. And yes. <laughs> that is a thing. And where you don't need to manipulate all their friendships and stand, go to school and stand up for them in the playground, but you just actually let them be. Is the magic word here guilt? Is that is that the is that the word that permeates every single part of our parenting experience for, for way too much? Yeah, it's totally. It, the guilt comes when there's a gap between reality and fantasy. Yeah. We we think we know how it should be done, and we've got all these social media posts telling us how good everyone else is nailing it, yeah. not how well everyone else is nailing it. And then we look at our own sort of slightly pathetic efforts, and we think, oh, that's not good enough. We need more organic vegetables cooked from scratch and fanned out into a rainbow. You know, we need we need more love notes in our kids' lunchboxes so they know we love them. And, you know, what's a, what's a plain banana if it doesn't have a face drawn on it to tantalise the children into eating it? You know, and I think we get caught up in our own minds thinking that this makes us a better parent. Yeah, uh, there's a lovely little piece you, you put in the book where you say, you know, their smiles are our medals. So you talk about <laughs> p- participation medals and the fact that the, the children are our, are our, are our gift and our, and, and our sort of uh, our gratification for it. Um, COVID obviously has had a, an enormous uh, impact on in many areas. One, the obvious one's homeschooling, which I see you sacked yourself after about 30 minutes. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I was on the beard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Has COVID actually helped us drop our, our standards anyway because we've kind of gone, oh, look, it's all just got too – it got too hard. So we just went, well, I, run free a little bit more. I'm in Melbourne, so we had months and months where we couldn't do anything. Yeah. We couldn't take them to activities. We couldn't hang out at the school gate. And it was actually very liberating. I think a lot of people felt that they had a lot more time to do the things they wanted to do and less time doing the things they felt they had to do. Yeah. And I've got a lot of friends now that, you know, the, the grind has started again this year. And they're saying, I'm actually not going to enrol them in as many activities. I'm actually going to just spend more time at home. Let them free in the backyard, for God's sake, which has become a sort of outdated kind of um, suggestion. So I think people are taking some of the, would like to feel they can take some of the best from lockdown um, and keep that moving forward. Is that is that the key to all this? So the key to is that instead of trying to do 100 things and not doing any of them particularly well, just do like 20? Yeah, or 10. Yeah. <laughs> just do the things. I think, you know what, parents want permission and they from other people uh, to raise their kids a certain way. They want to be told and they want to be affirmed that they're doing a good job. So they're measuring themselves up against all these impossible standards. But we actually know what our kids need. We know when they've had enough time on screen. We know when it's okay to give them Uber Eats instead of the organic homemade vegetables. Yeah. Like what we want is permission to trust our own instincts and to trust our gut and to raise our kids the way we want to raise them without feeling like we're neglectful or, <laughs> you know, doing the wrong thing. The good thing is in the book you've given a, you've given everyone a how-to section. So if you have any doubts, there's a, there's a very <laughs> quick little reminder there. You can just go through the 10 or so points and, and get it into your head exactly what you're, what you're overdoing. Yeah, and I'll say just because it's on, you don't have to go. Yeah. Just because the kids, because the kids want it, you don't have to say yes. Just because they ask for something, it's okay to say no. And I think just giving people permission to just let it go. 
like stop being obsessed about being on every single kinder committee or, you know, baking everything from scratch, you know, having the, the Insta-worthy lunchbox, enrolling your kids in all these activities, that just adds stress. You know, there's a lot of research that shows that kids don't actually see those activities as play. They don't necessarily enjoy them. You know, it's good to get them off the iPads or the Xbox, but it's different from just letting them be free and playing a part. And one of the things you've done really well in the book is incorporate those t- statistical uh, information uh, from from studies that have been done by all sorts of... I was absolutely amazed at how many different studies there's been done about different parts of parenting. There's obviously a dollar in it for someone somewhere, um, but it, it actually is backed up by stats. Yeah, look, I've spent the last 20 years or so, it does make me feel very old, um, <laughs> uh, writing about parenting and some of the stats that some of the stories that I've written based on other people's research has really made me want to write this book. For example, um, one study that showed that a, a fifth of parents were happier before they had kids, and these are kids they wanted, yeah, <laughs> but their yeah. lives are so you know they're so time for and guilt ridden. And another third of parents don't know if they're happy or not. Like they're so stressed that they can't actually tell a researcher, "Yay, I'm having a good day." And you get back to saying. Why is this the case and how can we make it better? And as I said, people cut back on work, people cut back on their social lives, but doing less parenting doesn't have seemed to occur to anyone. Now, Susie, when you fill out your uh, your tax return at the end of uh, the next year, will it have you know S O'Brien water person? Is that a, an occupation that you'll be uh, you'll be pursuing? <laughs> Carrying the water bottle. Yeah. Because one of the things that's a bit of a flip side from all this, you know, cotton wool parenting and helicopter parenting, the more effort we put in, the less that's required from the kids. And so, I had one of those lightning rod moments where you go, "Oh, for heaven's sake!" I was at my son's football game and I was rostered on to be the water carrier. And so you have to wait till there's a break and play and then you dash out onto the ground. These are like under 10. This is not AFL. And you dash out onto the oval carrying that really heavy water bottle. And then you have to hand them to the kids who might need a a mouthful of water. And it's quite a serious thing. There are rules and there are standards that you have to set. My son's saying to me, don't muck it up, mum. You don't want to cost us a point. I remember thinking... What the hell am I spending my weekends doing this for? Like, I'm pretty sure when I played sport as a kid, no parent was standing on the guidelines waiting to run into the middle of the ground and give me a pour a mouthful of water into my mouth. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yes, I, I've, I've sacked myself as water carrier too. <laughs> a, a life-changing moment, I would have thought. Social media, how does half-assed parenting marry up with the demands of social media? Well, look, I mean, people are, social media is a massive part of a lot of people's lives, particularly mothers. And I think a lot of it is because they're stuck inside or stuck at home and it's some way they can stay connected. But, you know, a lot of social media doesn't actually make you feel that good about yourself because you're just looking at the perfect lives other people are leading and you just feel like you're not really matching up, you're not measuring up. You know, if I have to look at one more Facebook posts with hashtag bless, hashtag perfect, bam, bam, <laughs> when, in fact, I know that person really well and I know that they, no one in their family is talking to each other, that last night they went to sleep after eating, lying on the couch by themselves, eat, drinking Chardonnay and eating chicken chips. <laughs> you know, I know that it's not true, yeah. but then you look at their Facebook page and it's this curated, perfect family image and you think... I don't really need this. I don't need to know that they, you know, the frustrations of the 
a family trip to New York because the first class lounge had a queue. You know, yeah. that, that the Maui in the first class lounge was warm. You oh. know, I'm happy for people to enjoy the things that they do on social media, the holidays they go on, as long as they're going somewhere boring and cold, so <laughs> I can feel better about my, my little stay-at-home holidays. And they, uh, that, that kind of gets us into a lovely little part in the book that I found really amusing was the celebrity versus the half-assed oh. mum. <laughs> that, that was one of my favourites. Well, you know, the celebrities, you know, they're saying, oh, I, this morning I got up with the sun and I had a – you know, green goddess smoothie. They don't tell you that there's a big shot of vodka in it. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, it's all about that you have a glass of hot lemon. I did that, a whole water with lemon. I did that once and it looked like a glass of wee. I couldn't even finish it. <laughs> and don't even talk to me about green goddess smoothies. I had one once made of kale oh. and it tasted like, like grass clippings. <laughs> it was yep. awful. Yep. So you think this is what we should be doing and then you sort of try and follow it and it's, Completely unrealistic. Yeah, the uh, the wonderful um, thing about parenting is is you go through the phases. You go from the toddlers through teenage phase, which uh, which you're in with with uh, you know your three children, and, and you've got the two with your partner as well, the stepkids. That that's a that's another minefield that just opens up a whole <laughs> new uh, expectations. Yeah. Well, you know what? One minute they're lying gurgling on a bearskin rug, and the next they're putting their armpits in your face and saying, "Smell the piss, smell the piss," and and they're offering to um, go and sweep the driveway. And you know, the only reason they're doing that is because they've just ordered Uber Eats, and they don't want you to know about it. Yeah. <laughs> or you know those lovely moments where they give you feedback, like my son who's eleven says to me, "Mum, you look like a teenager," because I'm sort of short. Oh, you look like a teenager, but only from behind, <laughs> not your face. <laughs> or, my, or my daughter who's 15. These are all stories in the book, vetted by the children, I should say. And my daughter who's 15, and she says, like I'm forever saying to her, are you going to put pants on? Like she's wearing these long T-shirts with sort of little bike shorts looking as if she's got no, like she's forgotten to put her pants on. Yeah. And I say, are you going to put pants on? She goes, Mum, why should I take Fashion advice from you. You're not even wearing a bra. <laughs> like, you know, when you get home and you take your bra off. So, anyway, yes, lots of fun to be had. The only one where I, I do draw the line, and I, I reckon you've just gone too far, is the camping thing. <laughs> I'm not even saying people should go camping. I'm saying put up a tent in your backyard. Yeah. Actually, I have to say, we did that one summer years ago, and it was an absolutely wonderful thing. I mean, I went camping as kids, but I haven't uh, put a stake in a ground for probably 25 years. Yeah. And so we put, put, a, put a tent up in our backyard when the kids were probably primary school age. And they spent the whole summer in and out of that tent. And if they were good, they got to sleep out there with, a, with one of the parents. Yeah. And it was fantastic because it meant that we got to experience the great outdoors. With cable TV and bottle shops close by, <laughs> it was ideal. <laughs> yes. Well, our son actually uh, missed camp this year because of uh, COVID, missed camp last year because of COVID. So we actually did exactly that. We bought a uh, oh. tent, put it in the backyard and let him go and, and do that with his dog. Uh, and did that, uh, that sort of satisfied that need a little bit, which was kind of handy. Yeah, because in the book, what I don't want to do is set myself up as this expert sitting yeah. above everyone saying, yeah. oh, do it the way I'm doing it. I mean, I spend the whole book basically saying, look, my approach to half-ass parenting is half-ass. You know, I'm still <laughs> trying to get it right. I mean, my partner would say I, you know, drive the kids 
too much places that they could probably get to themselves and probably do too much for them. But I, but at least I'm starting to question the things that I'm doing that are taking up a lot of time and not actually making anyone feel good. Yeah, yeah. And I tell you, I love that story about uh, I think it was your son who, um, who did, as a four year old did the did the screaming thing in the in the supermarket and you finished up with almost an army of people helping you get through it. Oh, there, there's a there, Westfield Doncaster in Melbourne. Is that where it was? Yeah, <laughs> before it was renovated. This is how old I am. And I still walk past this patch and think, oh, my God, I get chills. So he was, I don't know, I think um, probably about two two years old, and he didn't want to leave the, the little in, play enclosure. And I had my newborn daughter strapped to my chest in the baby Bjorn. So I was trying to get my older son in the pram so we could leave after, you know, half an hour. And he just would not get in the pram. And I was holding my daughter, of course, on my chest, so I couldn't pick him up because he was kicking her. And I just got to the point where I was just burst into tears. I couldn't, he was hurting me. I was worried about him hurting my daughter, who was probably six weeks old. And I, I just stood there. I, there was nothing I could do to make the situation better because yep. he was going feral, <laughs> as kids <laughs> do. And it was so lovely because, at some point, people worked out what was going on, that I was just in a complete mess. And someone took my baby. Someone else minded my handbag. Someone else helped me get my son, you know, where you kind of push them <laughs> in the middle region and force them in the pram, <laughs> strapped him in. I felt so, even people just standing in front of me, the strangers couldn't see the tears streaming down my face. And I felt so supported. In, and I never have never left a shopping centre faster, let me tell you. It took me months to return. Yeah. But what I did know is that people were willing, complete strangers, were willing to step up and help me. And I trusted them. I wasn't like, oh, I'm not going to hand you my baby. I was like, please, can you hold her while I deal with the other one? You know, just goes to show we are we, we are there for each other. Yeah, we are. And and the, the other, the, the, it's something you don't think about when you're in the moment. But the the sentence I read that really resonated with me in the book was where talk about uh, when when that sort of thing happens, everyone immediately judges the parent. They don't judge the kid. They immediately say, "Oh, she's a bad parent. Look at that. Oh, geez, look what's going on." Yeah, and, and you know when we were growing up, if there was a kid having a tantrum, we judged the kids. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I mean, and I have to tamper that saying. Please, kids with special needs should never be judged for, you know, like yeah. not every kid. Yeah. But in general, if a kid's naughty and having a tantrum, we judge we judge the kid. He was just having a bad day or she was having a bad day. Yeah. Now yeah. it's like we judge the parents. They're not doing a good enough job in managing the situation or it shouldn't have been out or that kid's tired. What was she thinking? Yeah. And I think, God, that's so tough. Yeah, it You is. know, even this, going back to lunch boxes, which seems to be a, a massive battleground at the moment. It's the idea that we have to try so hard to get our kids to eat all this uber healthy food. It's our fault if they don't eat it because we haven't tried hard enough. Yeah. Now think back. <laughs> that's insane. Like my parents weren't trying that hard when they put a ham and cheese sandwich out of the freezer and an apple <laughs> in my lunchbox. Yep. Or in fact, I think my sister and I made our own lunches. There wasn't an expectation that they are having that they take over responsibility for us behaving well and eating properly in the way that I think parents have taken on now. Yeah, I, I totally agree. The other thing, I, I wasn't aware of nude food. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't know that. Nude I, food? I, no, I didn't know oh. that. I just sticky, I stick, we stick our son's uh, sandwich in a sandwich bag and, you know, all that. I, I didn't know there was rules 
in that area. Ah, absolutely. This was something that was when my um, youngest son, it must have come in while my kids have been growing up because it's only been an issue with my youngest son. And they had nude food day at his um, primary school where they had to open up their lunch boxes and show everyone and kids who didn't have any wrapping of any sort got to, you know, stand out the front and get a free lunch box or something. Of course, the whole nude food movement is is the brainchild of the people who make the lunch boxes. Correct. Um, yeah, it's just a little bit of a con. And while I'm all for cutting down on excess wrapping, there does become a point where we don't need to be judging parents for using glad wrap. And, you know, yes. I, I oh. make kids lunches the night before and I do use glad wrap. Here I am. I am Susie and I am admitting to using glad wrap. And I don't think my son should be feeling embarrassed about that. It's just, yes, I try and use less wrapping if I can, but for me that is not something that I'm willing to stop doing. And yes. I don't feel like I should be, I feel, feel guilty about that. Yeah. Like there is a lot of judgment about those sorts of issues these days. Yeah, that uh, that's a bit ridiculous, isn't it? One of the things that, uh, that did concern me, though, was the use of antidepressants, and, and the biggest jump was in the 10 to 14-year-old age group. Now, obviously, as parents, we have to make sure that this doesn't become the norm. Look, I know um, antidepressants do help some kids, and particularly kids with special needs or autism, um, ADHD. There, there is definitely a role for that medication, and I'm not here to judge anyone who's taking that path. But when you see such a jump, there's been a doubling in the last five years of kids becoming diagnosed with clinical anxiety, that anxiety of a level that stops them from doing the normal things that kids do, you start. You, you have to step back and say, what is happening here? Because parents are going through the same thing. I mean, we are more depressed, we are more stressed, we are more anxious than we've ever been. Yeah, that's not good. The Secret of Half-Assed Parenting, that's the name of the book. And the good news is, I guess we're all, uh, well, we're all qualified to be excellent in this field. <laughs> that's right. Everyone says, well, I'm, people are either saying, oh, I'm doing that already, and they want to read it just to affirm themselves, or people are saying, I need more of that. That's exactly what I need. Yeah, it's not hard to do. It's, I mean, it's almost a recreational version of parenting. Yeah, I think we just need to just take it down a notch, you know. There's so much pressure being thrust on parents these days. And, you know, we don't need more thrusting. That's how we got into this mess in the first place. So is the secret to half-assed partnerships and half-assed marriages, is that the, the sequel that's uh, on the way soon? <laughs> I'm not sure I would be... Um, an expert in that area, you'd have to ask my partner. <laughs> we uh, could co-write it. <laughs> yes, I think it would be a co-written job. And look, Susie, I am sensing there is a book on your revelation that when you were young, you wanted to be Linda Stoner from Cop Shop. Oh, my God, I loved her. I loved her so much. My sister and I used to play Cop Shop with, <laughs> and we'd pretend to be police women uh. and we'd basically just walk in and out of rooms put our handbag on the back of our chair and take our jackets on and off, because that's pretty much all the women on that show. <laughs> I just thought she was pretty and had, like, nice hair. That's pretty much what John Orchick did. Uh, John Orchick did the same yeah. thing during the whole series, but he just had a hairy chest. of hand. Yes, exactly. Hey, Susie, it's a, it's a great read. There's a, there's a lot of sensible stuff in there, but there's also a lot of entertainment as well, and uh, the combination of the two is uh, is really well done. Congratulations on it. Thank you so much. 
It is a very entertaining read with a, a lot of uh, text in there that uh, makes a hell of a lot of sense, I have to say. Uh, and who knew I was an expert in half-assed parenting? And if not uh, by now, I will be in the future having read this book. Uh, the book's available now at and about at all good bookshops through Murdoch Books. Uh, so thanks to Susie for her time. And of course, so you can continue to read her columns uh, in a weekly and daily basis, uh, sometimes in the uh, News Limited newspapers. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. There's plenty more to come because there's so many books out there and we uh, we want to get amongst uh, the authors and have a chat to them about it with thanks to our very good friends at CSCG. Uh, if you are wanting to uh, have a chat about your financial situation, give them a call. Double nine seven four eight triple three, or meet the people that you'll be dealing with by jumping on their website, cscg.com.au. Till the next time, read a good book and I'll talk to you soon on the Authorised Podcast. <laughs>